do better. Welcome to Do Better Podcast, a digital content hub from Asade, built for minds interested in doing better. You can leave your comments and suggestions on dobetter.asade.edu. Hello and welcome to Azade Doers, podcast about entrepreneurs and innovators. Our guests today are Alicia Tournay and Amish Chagan from African Insights. Hi guys, thank you for joining us. Hi Davide, thank you so much. Pleasure being with you all here today. Hi Davide, thanks for having us. Thank you uh, once more. So one way we always like to start with is to ask you very quickly to do us uh, an investor pitch style, 30 seconds description of what does your company do? Sounds great. Let me get cracking with that one. Um, I will break it down in three different areas. First of all, the problem that we're trying to solve. So our why. Um, African Insights is a Pan-African market research and consulting firm with the ambitious aim to address the knowledge gap challenges that many decision makers, both from public and private sectors, are facing across the African continent. Our what or the solutions that we provide? Uh, well, we are currently specialized in providing bespoke and reliable data and insights to our clients and partners, which allows them to then make uh, well-informed decisions on their strategy, their operations and the research. Finally, our how. Well, we are able to provide this value to our clients and partners by leveraging our multi-skilled and global teams, which are present across over 20 countries, primarily within Sub-Saharan Africa. So that would be us in a nutshell. Fantastic, very clear. Um, and as well, uh, I think very relevant. We'll, we'll dive into that um, in a few moments. Uh, first though, I want to hear uh, a bit more about your, your story. So, um, no, and I mean, uh, there, there's two of you, so feel free to, to choose if uh, one want to answer or if both, uh, fine for us. Um, so did you always wanted to, uh, to become entrepreneurs? Uh, is this your first project kind of, uh, how did uh, African Insight happen and what has been your motivation to, uh, to become entrepreneurs? Uh, okay, thanks, Davide. I'll, I'll start here. Um, I, from from my my personal agenda, growing growing up in in Zambia, uh, in Central Africa, I think it's it's also part of the environment that that I lived in. Um, you know, not just inspirational figures, uh, things we read about, but but also uh, the environment where we, if you don't have good ideas and good sales skills, you're probably not gonna gonna make it uh, that far. Um, uh, you know, a couple of stories as, as growing up, I was always looking to make some extra money. Um, you know, we didn't have the same type of opportunities that, you know, perhaps you have in the Western world working at uh, McDonald's or, or um, you know, summer jobs, cutting grass or, or whatever. We have to be, be creative. Um, one of my passionate pastimes, which is still to this day, is, is music. Um, combining this with the emergence of internet and the fact that I had a CD writer at home. Um, uh, my dad is in the IT retail space, so I always had access to the new tech, uh, at least the new hardware. I quickly joined the dots and started selling um, the CD equivalent of, of mixtapes. Um, so not just the latest music and not just an album, but you know, customers can pick their favorite songs mm -hmm. and put it in a CD together. So this was, um, you know, it's 100% profit for me as a customer to provide uh, 
provide me a blank CD and it was great pocket money for me and whatever I needed to do. Where were you so, getting the music? Was it uh, downloaded from the internet or from yes. other CDs? Okay. Yes, not, not technically legal. Yeah, yeah, we should be talking about that now. <laughs> kind of at the time, <laughs> but, I guess um, we were all doing that. Yeah, <laughs> but but I but I had access, um, uh, and and I guess that was that was the distinguishing factor, right? Everyone had had full album CDs and and tapes even those days. Um, and another point, another point I briefly touched on was was my father. Um, in the in the 90s, my dad my dad spotted a a gap in in the market. He's He's, work, he's typically worked in um, business development and sales roles within IT companies or at least the tech world. He's spotted a gap in the market, which was the B2C IT retail. Um, and in those days, there was only big companies like ICL and, and that they were operating in countries like, like Zambia that were providing um, you know, mass, mass scale uh, IT hardware. So um, yeah. He he found he he spotted this gap and started uh, started an IT retail company. He was the first um, first person to open an IT retail store in Zambia and and did relatively well, especially in in the early days. So so I think witnessing this as a kid and seeing my my own father's journey was was inspi inspiring and and always pushed me to I guess follow um, you know similar lines. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So you had kind of an inspiration from one side, and as well, you spotted an opportunity early on now with these uh, CDs and and leveraged that. So also so that that you were able to uh, yeah. to, to to make some money out of uh, some yeah. projects so that that probably seeded overall your um, your entrepreneurship your entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah. Um, but but I guess I guess also whether for some reason whether it's career services at your school, your family, you know, I'm 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 from the Indian culture. Which very much promotes the fact you should get a good education, get a good job, and then get to have a family and etc. So there are all these ideas that were also put in my my head very very early on. So I kind of had this this plan to say, okay, let me go and get a good job. Let me learn from the big corporate world how things work, um, and then and then start my my own my own thing. Uh, of course, <laughs> with with that, with that kind of journey, the assumption is that you have. Um, you have all the time in the world, which of course is is, is not the case. Um, right. And what I quickly found out was the corporate culture was not something I, I enjoyed or embraced very much. The politics, the bureaucracy, the administration. Um, yeah, it was it wasn't something I I enjoyed very much. Um, yeah. So that's so kind that of that story. kind of uh, pushed you, and uh, was it then? Let's say um, African side was it that your first uh, let me say serious uh, startup attempt? Uh, no, I've, I've been through. Yeah. So before I lived in Barcelona, I lived in, in London, um, mm -hmm. which is it's ten times more difficult to to start a company there just because of the <clears throat> lifestyle and the cost of of lifestyle. Um, I think African sites was my fifth or sixth attempt at at, at a okay. company. Um, when I moved to Barcelona, I started an MBA. Um, it was it was relatively easy to to think outside the box in terms of starting your own, your own projects, um, and I explored quite a few different projects with various people. Um, and African sites was was one of them as well. So there was a, there was a point where um, it was a good year to eighteen months where I was just working on various projects, uh, trying to to see what's going to work. 
what what made you pick um no this one specifically this is always an interesting question in terms of no many many entrepreneurs um like you said hey we've been exploring multiple things but then at a certain point settled on trying one uh, was it like a deliberate specific process of validation or were you just more motivated what have been the reasons um bo- both both there was there was a process of elimination but but there was also there was always a willingness um for for me to explore uh, vocational angles in in Africa uh whether it's working there in Africa so in my case moving back uh either to Zambia or somewhere else uh or doing some sort of work so um, and 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 i have i have worked and consulted with companies um to help open up the the african market and um you know whether it's business development or whether it's more strategic focused focused work um just banking off my management consulting experience um and the overriding challenge i guess in any any of these projects was was obtaining data and information to make strategic decisions we were coming up with complex financial models which are based on assumptions that that we literally picked from from the sky it was it was very very difficult to to make these types of decisions um so we weren't very confident in you know setting up that road to market strategy in in particular countries just because of the lack of information so so there there, there was this and there was a few other 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 points as well which which led us to, to this conclusion of you know how can we how can we solve this this problem so there was always a bias bias to this idea yes okay no so then um let's see maybe at the very beginning so once uh, i guess few you mentioned you were already uh, being in touch with people so it was probably more of, of a slow start and then how was no the the the, the let's say the inception of of fabric insights and when you decide okay now this is becoming a company i'm going to I'm going to structure it uh, and I'm going to focus probably 100% on this one. Um it it came it came about just based on how we would gauge the interest of of potential customers. Um so you know at at the start we were looking at at you know what is our potential target market, our potential customers both public and private sector and within within the private sector are there particular industries that we would, we would target um so we 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 answered a, you know we answered a lot of questions at the start as to how to how to structure ourselves um you know want to try and focus on a particular area but but to also not not try to be too broad um in in the end we're covering a good amount of sub-saharan africa and we're covering a lot of different sectors um but there's ways that we we would mitigate um that lack of sectoral expertise for example so we started up an expert network at um very very early on um to help mitigate this so we bring in experts that will consult with us on specific projects on industries that we are not familiar with but of course we understand the core the market research the analysis the consulting side of things um so so yeah there there was a few questions we we managed to answer answer early on um that yeah sorry i'm i'm i think i'm just waffling now <laughs> absolutely no no problem no it's uh, and i think it's it's not as well no so 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 clear cut when when you're starting something so you're just uh doing things and you see what works and at a certain point no they they, they grow so it's normal it's not um super structured yeah. process i i think i think in a short answer um we we had a lot of interest very early on from from a, a variety of different stakeholders 
Um, and that kind of helped to validate that, you know, this is this is a problem we should be looking at. For the, for the public sector, there was a lot of um, there's a lot of interest because they want this work done independently from them. Mm -hmm. So when they then release reports or publications or blogs, you know, they can say that look, this work was done independently by by X company, um, and you know, then there's no bias and there's no issues with them. With the private sector. Um, yeah, it's it's basically what it says on the can. They they need the data to make to make decisions, especially if they're expanding into new countries. Absolutely. Uh, who are I mean? No, it's you already mentioned. It's a little bit broad, but um, who would you say by by category and maybe even by 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 region your uh, main customers? Um, our main customers, particularly post post the pandemic, the COVID pandemic, have have been within the the public sector. Um, And for, for, for a couple of reasons, one, one, the projects tend to be a lot bigger um, and would take a lot more time. Um, they typically have bigger, bigger budgets as well. So we would, we would be working on a public sector project for six, eight months, uh, a year, maybe more, depending on, on the scope of the project. Um, and each project is, is commissioned and, and bespoke to, to the objectives of, of what the company or, or the organization needs. Um, so yeah, and, and and within the public sector, there's there's the World Bank, the UN, CGAP, Fairtrade, um, you know, big organizations uh, like like this, um, and and some smaller ones as well. Uh, within the private sector, um, yeah, this is this is a bit more difficult because one, the projects are much smaller. Their focus is on we want this particular data in this particular region, in this sector. Um, so they tend to be smaller um, and their budgets also tend to be smaller, right? They're, they're always looking how, they're always looking at, how, at how, to, how to assess the entire budget on investing in the new company versus undertaking the research. Um, uh, and, and I think many companies, especially in, in Africa, are, are not educated in, in this way that we need to undertake, we need to put some sort of investment in the research before we execute uh, these, you know, very ambitious ideas that we, that we have. Um, so it's, it's a, it's, it's a curve that we're, we're currently experiencing. Um, then COVID hit budgets have frozen or, or eliminated. So yeah, there's been very little that we've done in, in the private sector. You mentioned some very, very uh, big names uh, for the public sector. So for, um, for a startup, for an early stage company, sometimes it's difficult to, um to be credible no the, towards those people so uh how has absolutely. it worked out for you absolutely um you couldn't have summarized that that better uh, our first one of our first major projects we won was was with the un um the uncdf it's a capital development fund for for the un um that helped us uh, almost almost immediately because we were we were referred um, to other stakeholders within the community. Um, and I think we even won another, another project soon after the UN, uh, just, just by referral. Um, of course, and, and, and for us, again, one of the questions that we, we asked ourselves very, very early on is what are, what are our end clients looking for? Um, one is the team that is able to execute these projects. Uh, so myself, uh, Alicia, our analysts and our, our people on the ground and their qualifications, 
Two, um, the track record and our credibility in the market, who we worked with. Uh, and three, of course, is, is typically budget, right? So that's the, those are the kind of three areas that, especially when we prepare proposals, these are the kind of three areas we focus on that we need to be able to nail these three areas very, very well. So the more projects that we do, um, the more big names we're able to get, um, you know, really supports, supports our cause. Um, and so now we don't have that issue as we did when we first started as, you know, how, you know, it's a chicken and egg kind of game, right? How are we going to prove to our, our uh, potential clients that we have the track record? Now we can because we have some, some big names. Um, they've released public uh, reports about the work that they've done. Uh, you know, in collaboration with us. So that's, yeah, it's helped tremendously for our track record. Absolutely. So let me double down on this for a second. I know you mentioned this this early contract with uh, with the UN, of course, a very, very big name, very recognizable one, uh, was instrumental to then later on. Building credibility, how did you land that one? Um, there was no There was no special source. We put a proposal together. I reviewed it maybe... 10 or 15 times mm -hmm. <laughs> and um and and we submitted it we got we got shortlisted quite early on i think there was about seven or eight companies um it, it was very much like a job interview uh, actually it still is <laughs> we still do these things we put a proposal together we get shortlisted we have an interview a panel discussion um and this un one was a panel discussion i think there was about 10, 10 to 12 people on that panel from all over the world, from New York and, and uh, Brussels and uh, people on the ground in, in Zambia. It so happened that this project was in Zambia, where I'm from, so that okay. a lot, um, as I understood the lo local context as well very well. Um, and yeah, and we, we got, there was no, there was nothing special that we did. We, we just you know, worked as hard as we could to, to put the best proposal together. Um, and yeah, we prepared very well for the panel discussions uh, and, and we won it. Um, there was no, it, I guess it was just the luck. We were there at the right time, the right place, uh, a little bit of luck on our sides. Well, and you did a good job, and, I guess. So that's <laughs> yes, a very important yes. element, right? Okay, then congrats for uh, for that one. No, so, so it is possible, I guess. Now the message there for, for people listening is uh, don't, don't be scared. If you do a good enough job, uh, sometimes maybe a little bit of luck, but uh, can be, you know, you, you can as well get um, large kind of anchor name reference customers or, or, or you know, anyway, um, oh, people that you work with early I on. Mean, I mean, it, it still took us, it still took us a good uh, almost nine months to get to that stage. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's also nine months of that much uncertainty, that lack of capital or, or salary or income coming in. Uh, we, we had done a, we had done a couple of small private sector projects, but there was nothing nothing to to brag about. Um, and and this was the kind of um, defining point. It it helped us to validate what we we're doing was was right. It was a good time to do it, um, and that we actually saw we are actually solving um, or at least trying to solve a massive problem. Yeah. And I'm assuming, you, know, you mentioned financing. So I'm assuming for the kind of model you have, uh, you are not getting investors, your revenue uh, founded? No. So, so in, in, this, in this way, we're quite different from, you know, the Celebrex or the Kletas, mm -hmm. right? Um, we, don't, we don't necessarily, we, we don't have a, a typical product. 
uh, or, or, or we're not a B2C company where we need to pump a lot into uh, digital marketing, mm-hmm. um, capital investments on advancing product, et cetera, et cetera. We don't have any of those issues. What we're selling is essentially our, ourselves. Right. Um, our, our expertise uh, and our, our combined expertise, I guess. Um, uh, the, the partners, the analysts, and, and our people on, on the ground, and of course, our, our board and our experts, et cetera. So that's, that's what we're selling. Uh, it's a it's a B2C service, so it's also very difficult to to explore um, fundraising in in this way, right? Because essentially, what uh, an investor will be paying for is is our um, our salaries, exactly. essentially. Yeah, because it's basically um, like a consulting so, model. So it's a... yes, yes, it is. Um, so yeah, it's it's not it's not a it's not a model where where we would go out to to raise money. Um, yeah. Maybe let's uh, let's hear as well. Now you mentioned analysts, people on the field, people on the ground. How do you operate? No, uh, what are the actual operations? So on one side, of course, you have the the. You know you need to acquire projects, and that it's kind of more business development and, and going. And uh, I'm assuming it's more um, you know outbound than inbound. But now with the brand name, there is probably some inbound coming as well. Um, yes. But as well, how uh, how do you actually operate? You no, know, when doing research because. You're, uh, you were mentioning earlier, you're covering a rather broad um, area uh, geographically and and, uh, and also now in terms of industries. So how do you operate normally? Yeah, uh, Alicia, maybe I've been talking a lot. Do you wanna <laughs> do you wanna you wanna jump in here? Sure, sure, sure. I can try, and then if anything, feel free to add a So, uh, David, to answer to your question. The way we would approach this is by leveraging our three different teams that we have, right? So Anish was uh, previously saying, first of all, we have our operations team, and this is split between project management um, analysts and, and the research teams. So we just make sure that for each and every project, we have a, one project manager and a few analysts um, on the team. And then, of course, we have the relevant research people on the ground, right? So if we're undertaking a, a project in Uganda, we will make sure that we have uh, capable um, research managers, assistants, and agents, for example, if there's some quantitative work to be uh, done in person. Um, and these people, you know, it's um, individuals with whom we have previously worked, either at African Insights in previous projects or in our previous lives. So we know that they are... Um, reliable, they are people that adhere to high quality standards and we can trust in them, right? Of course, they have their background in research, so they know what they're doing. They are very well experienced. A plus here is that these people are locals, right? So they understand the context, which plays a key role, especially when we're talking about qualitative research. Um, And then at the same time, they are able to speak local languages, which really puts down uh, many barriers. Um, of course, we're a startup, and as Amish was saying before, uh, we try to keep it very lean at this stage. So it's not that we have everyone on payroll, right? Uh, we make the teams as and when uh, projects come. So we are able to put in the best people uh, meeting the needs, the specific needs and requirements that the client has for that project. Um, in addition to project managers, analysts, and reputable uh, research people on the ground, we also have our experts, right? So depending on the thematic area that the project is covering, we will make sure that at least we have one, two people with the right skill set just to provide their expert lenses, 
for example, at the very beginning when we are uh, doing the desk research to see where are some gaps and some challenges that have not been answered yet. And so uh, this can help us uh, when we're drafting the tools, uh, putting together our research questionnaires, just to allow us to know what do we need to look for uh, when we go to the ground. And then there's another uh, time throughout the whole process where the experts play a key role. And this is when we're analyzing the data, right? So as we mentioned before, uh, we are consultants by trade. Our analysts are consultants by trade. But of course, that does not mean that they are experts in every single uh, sector, right? So with the help of the experts, we are able to go that extra mile, right? Uh, to see things beyond what an analyst will be able to tell you uh, in terms of, you know, finding key trends, insights, etc. So by having these three teams all together, um, we have the strong and, and let's say a relevant experience and, and track record to make sure that we are able to successfully undertake projects across the continent. Okay, so uh, really the, the, the strength uh, is in your network, right? So that you are able to access uh, this uh, highly trustable uh, and qualified people on um, on a vast uh, area and so that you're basically able to, to, to find the right person on the ground because as well, you are based out of Barcelona. So the official headquarter is in, is in Spain, right? Exactly, you're right. We also have some satellites offices in Zambia, Kenya and Ghana, but yeah, main... HQ uh, here in Barcelona. And is that, uh, no, uh, let me play the devil's advocate here for a second. Isn't that um, kind of um, counterintuitive, no, that uh, you're specializing uh, on insights for sub-Saharan Africa, but based uh, out of Barcelona? Yes, it is. You're, you're right. Um, so there's, there's I, I, guess, I guess the pros and cons of that are, the pro is that we're European-based, um, and unfortunately, there is this kind of perspective, um, especially within uh, the consulting world uh, or the market research world, I should say, um, that, you know, if you are European based or Western focused, there is that additional element of quality uh, and, and high standard that you would adhere to because you are based in a Western country. So uh, you can call that un unfortunate, but it's, it's, it's the way typically people would 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 look at at something like that um also a lot of our business development and a lot of the projects that we that we generate are, are not from africa um they might be from for example the un office in in zambia or in kenya or whatever but um we're getting we're getting sign off in new york and in in brussels for example right so we're dealing with them on um on the administration side, on the business development proposal side, uh, and the execution with the local offices. Um, so that's typically how that that works as well. And so there is this kind of bias. Also within the industry, um, and again, we can call it unfortunate here, uh, is you have, you know, we're not we're not doing anything new per se. Um, this is something that local companies in in the countries we operate, there are existing market research um, players that, that, that operate there, um, and they tend to just cover that country. Now, now what, what happens is uh, you don't have, you know, projects going on for, you know, the whole 12 months of the year. Um, they tend to be dry spells. Uh, and this is where 
the the industry almost gets uh, sucked in because they're desperately looking for work um, and they'll overpromise and underdeliver on on big projects that they they may not be able to handle. So it kind of brings the reputation down um, for the entire industry just because there's there's a few and, and that's not all of them. There are some, um, but it's also understandable. So so that I, I think that that European base brings some sort of credibility uh, in, in some ways, but, um, but you're, you're right. It's, it's better to be, be close on the ground and it, there is plans to, to maybe migrate back at least, at least one of us, uh, whether it's, uh, it's me or Alicia, pro- probably me, um, to, to go, to go back, to go and live in either Kenya or in Zambia, um, and, and, and continue operating at least one of the partners, um, and have an office there. Um, but of course, times are a little difficult for that. <laughs> yeah, no, I can understand. But uh, yeah, I wanted to hear a bit the inside. No, so that's uh, I, I think uh, you you covered it very nicely. So there are uh, pros and cons, but you're trying, of course, to to leverage the, uh, the 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 unfortunate part as a as an asset as a as a competitive advantage for you. So that's uh, very good. Exactly. Maybe. One more question on the maybe on the future of the company. So you mentioned already there could be plans you now to potentially um, some view going, uh, you know, and, and moving and relocating to to Sub-Saharan Africa as well. Uh, but um, in terms of your model, your operations, so of course it's very much knowledge intensive, and you need to to build the knowledge every time. Do you think there is some level of economies of scale that you can achieve going into the future that will allow you to productize maybe at least part of what you do? Or do you think it will always be uh, on the bespoke side of uh, research? Uh, yeah, funny, funny you ask this. So it, it is something that we were, we were aggressively looking, looking into um, pre-COVID times. Okay. Um, to so so to operate to operate some uh, some more generic based research, something that would give some sort of flavor um, that that could be a, maybe a subscription based service um, or the like, infusing more technology in in, in what we in what we do. Um, so there there has been and and you know that might then lead to us potentially fundraising as well. Um, you know, and what ended up happening was, of course, the pandemic started, uh, and we instead, at least for now, have have partnered up. We've got strategic partners with a couple of um, very interesting interesting companies that, um, you know, we we have a very complementary skill set with. Mm-hmm. They're more uh, they use a lot more technology in in what they do, uh, and of course, we have the network, the people, the experience, um, the track record. So there's a there's a good Good partnership or a couple of partnerships there. Um, uh, we may we may continue to explore this this avenue of of infusing more technology in, in what we do and, and collecting data on particular hot trends um, and, and and sectors and thematic areas. Um, although it's a it's a big investment, right? It's a yep. massive investment for us. Um, you know, the the big risk there is. In, in, in Africa, you know, this information is obsolete within six months or, or even three months, depending on the sector. So if we're able, if we're able to then invest and, and collect data on a specific topic and we aren't able to sell it within those kind of three to six months, um, that information becomes worthless, 
Right. So you will need so, a very very large scale uh, in terms of uh, customers to, to justify the investment. Exactly, exactly, uh, and, and and ones that ones that are interested in paying paying for that. So um, you know, and and there and there are other companies that are are doing similar similar things, um, but yeah, um, I'm not sure whether whether we will continue to ex- explore that area just because of the uh, of the the risk appetite there uh, and the level of investment we need, um, but. I think for for the time being, in, in terms of our short to midterm goal, um, we need to continue. Uh, you know, we're still we're still small. We're still not well known <laughs> in the market. Um, is to continue the bespoke and commission projects um, with the ambition to get um, you know retainer type of um, agreements in place. So. Last year and this year, we've signed some service level agreements with with some particular organizations. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, you know, we we miss a massive step of the administration, the contracts and things like this, which take which take a long time to do. Um, you know, that just adds into the sales cycle. So if we're able to if we're able to strike some some particular uh, and keep partnerships with organizations that reach out to us today and we start the project tomorrow. Um, you know that that will help us help us a lot. Um, but yeah, Alicia, I don't know if I missed anything. If you want to bring in some other ideas, we've been discussing. Yes, I did very well. So technology and yeah, our short-term goals. Um, nothing else to add here, Amish. Thanks. Yeah, it's it's a little it's a little difficult to to answer given given where we are in the world and. And Absolutely. how much the the COVID pandemic has challenged our our model as well, right? Um, for I think it's interesting a good that period you, of time. Oh, sorry. No, I meant. I think it's interesting that that you mentioned that you were you were considering it as well. Now, because that uh, the reason I asked is that oftentimes when uh, projects are more on this uh, kind of uh, research or or consulting base, they try to then productize at least part of the knowledge consolidated in a way that that they can become investable in a way for investors, yeah. but then also more scalable. So you you reduce margins in exchange for higher scalability, which is usually the trade of people consider. Huh? Exactly. So, 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 so scaling, scaling is, is a very difficult word to use in, in, in the, in the, the model that we operate in. Right. It's um, very linear no? for now. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and this is why we're trying to think outside of, of our current model. But um, I think the risk versus return, uh, especially in these days, is it's, 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 quite, it's quite difficult to, to justify. Um, at least sense. for now, but but let's but let's see how how things progress. Absolutely no, and let's see, and we'll uh, we'll keep tabs uh, we'll keep tabs on you and see how that goes. Um, thanks for now for the for the description. I think it's been uh, very clear and also not very very open uh, talking about the future. Let's move uh, to um, the the final part of the interview, and we want to ask you a bit more uh, personal question. Um, sure. So again, uh, feel free, no, the two of you uh, both can answer either way. Um, so the first one will be, uh, yeah, so in terms of inspiration, right? Um, and the first question I always like to ask is, um, which book are you currently reading? <laughs> um, for, for me, I, I, tend, I, I, don't, I don't tend to stick to, to, to one book um, mm-hmm. because it might be depending on what I'm looking for something or I'm doing some work or I'm uh, watching a documentary and so I'd read something. Uh, it could depend on my mood as well. 
and and this way I tend not to finish mm -hmm. <laughs> many many books. Yeah, um, <laughs> unfortunately, unfortunately, however you want. I can you relate. Yes. Look, look, look at it. Um, but from time to time, there will be you know that one particular book or two particular books that grab my attention. You know, um, and I tend to almost obsess on the topic. Uh, just because of my curiosity, not just reading the book, but looking at uh, understanding the surrounding topics that I'll, I'll research. Um, one one book was uh, *Sapiens*, mm -hmm. which I'm sure you you know. Sure. That was a, a mind blowing uh, book. The current one that's got me on this level uh, is is a book called *The Creative Quest*. Mm -hmm. um, it's by a guy named. Uh, well, it's not his real name, but it's his stage name. It's called Quest Love. Uh, he's a creative genius. Um, he's a lead drummer of a famous hip-hop band uh, called The Roots. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, sure. He's a culinary invent in, uh, innovator. He's a professor. He's an entrepreneur and author of a bunch of other projects. I don't know if, you, if, you've, if you've heard of him. Well, um, I, I know the roots, so I guess that's a, yeah. that's a good start. <laughs> so they're the, they're, the, they're the backup backup band in the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, for, yeah. you know, so he's a he's the drummer, the guy okay. with the big afro. Uh, yeah. I'm also I'm also a wildlife photographer, so there's also a lot of relevant wisdom and ah. philosophy that that, that come, comes from this. Um, but this this book talks about you know his his techniques, his his lessons learned to channel your your creative energy, your inspiration. Um, he's you know he's he's met and and worked with lots and lots of famous famous people uh, mm -hmm. both in the business world and in the creative world um but i guess what we're talking about here is it's you know when we talk about creative quest we're not talking about just music or or art um but we're also talking about the ability to to generate and create ideas and an execution plan that goes along with that absolutely um, you know bringing that idea to to, to life um which is you know very much why I enjoyed strategy consulting. Um, you know when I when I did when I was working in London and that because you're starting from a blank piece of paper and, and creating a plan and, ex and an idea to execute. Um, I think one of the one of the aspects that's frequently said in in you know a lot of the entrepreneurial books and and you know biographies of of these famous entrepreneurs is. You know, it's a risk taking, it's a persistence, it's a focus, the confidence, mm -hmm. et cetera, right? Very, you know, personality traits. Um, but I think the other the other bit is 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 the mindset, the right. the steps you take to give your mind clarity to be able to generate that constant flow of of new and innovative ideas off the cuff. And it almost becomes a, a skill set. Um, and so yeah, I tend I tend to read lots of different types of, of uh, topics and uh, and areas. Absolutely. Very interesting. And mindset, it's something that's coming up more and more in um, during all these interviews. So uh, definitely, I would say many entrepreneurs will agree on that uh, on that point. Totally. If if I may say on my side here, um, same as Amish, reading a few books at a time. Um, so more business focused. Uh, I'm currently finishing The Ultimate Sales Machine by Chet mm -hmm. Holmes. And I think yes. that really uh, touches on on some of the points Amish that you were mentioning before on other reads. So the mindset, the attitude, having a strategy, but also you know um, persistency and focus and being there day after day just to achieve your objectives. Um, so yeah, basically it focuses on twelve key strategies uh, to boost the business. Uh, we're currently implementing some of these, uh, yes. and and yeah, very much looking forward to seeing some results. Right as Chad is mentioning there in the coming months. So we will keep you posted, guys, on on the progress of this. 
Um, and then uh, with a more personal mm. touch, um, I'm reading a couple of essays by um, a guy named Jan Byung-chul, um, which are basically the burnout society and the agony mm. of heroes. And, you know, yes. short and sweet, um, very relevant topics uh, to the times that yes. we're living. So I definitely um, think it's it's worth the read. And it's, it's, it's very easy to read, right? M- many good ideas, both for a personal level, but of course, things that you can translate and transfer to the business side of things as well, with everything in life, right? Absolutely. And thanks. This is a very broad uh, category of suggestion as well. So I guess for the listeners, will be will be interesting to, to have options to, to pick and choose. Um, moving forward, this is uh, next questions will actually be very much related to your uh, to your specialty. So it should be easy for you. Um, what do you think it's an interesting startup um, overall, of course, beyond yours? Uh, yeah, sure. Um... I think I think let's given given our focus in Africa, we'll focus on something on Africa. Absolutely. Um, if that's okay. Yes. So there's a company that's based out of Switzerland um, that is very interesting with a focus on Africa. It's called M Power, and they provide uh, alternative energy solutions uh, through a B2B distribution model. Um, so they can scale quite uh, quite quickly, actually. Um, and there's there's been quite a few players over the last five years, six years or so that have come into the market and are offering a lot of hardware and technical services in the solar space and alternative uh, energies and that. But I think what, what separates these guys from uh, is their service service offering is it's, it's threefold. So of course they have the hardware, the solar, the battery installation, the technical services. Um, but they also have, the software aspect to it, so the big data analytics, the usage, the consumption, um, building the business case for their clients to be able to justify um, moving to these alternative energy sources. Uh, and don't forget, we're also talking about about Africa here in general, where the mindset is, you know, yes, you know, we get our uh, electricity from um, from our local. Uh, energy energy supplier, right? The government-owned energy supplier, fossil fuels, hydrogens, etc. Um, <clears throat> so there's also a big element of of education. And the third area is is they offer a financing program, um, which they're in partnerships with banks and financial services company. Uh, and the founders have this they have these varying backgrounds uh, in these aforementioned areas. Um, so each of the founders is, is specializing in each of these areas. So very, very complementary skill set. I think it's it's key to their their success. Um, yeah, it's it's okay. one it's one that I think we, we both we we as a company uh, and as individuals find very very interesting, and they're making yes. some great progress. Okay, uh, thanks, Dan. I'll take that as a as a shared uh, suggestion. Uh, next one is um, on a similar line. For people that are thinking about starting a new company, uh, what is a, an interesting trend that you think they should look into? Could be industry, could be market, could be anything that you think it's going to grow and that's interesting to explore further. Uh, I, I think I think this will depend on the geography we're talking about because there's lots of uh, geo-focused trends. Um, and, you know, of course, the COVID pandemic has also pushed, especially in the Western world, has pushed these yes. kind of logistics type startups into the e-retail space in particular. 
Um, but again, we'll talk, we'll talk from, from what we know um, more of, which, which, which is in, in, in Africa, if, that, yes. if that's okay. Absolutely. Um, we already mentioned one, one sector, which is the alternative energy um, solutions. It's a very, very interesting, interesting area. Might, might be a little late to, to get involved because there are some big players that, that are operating with lots and lots of financing from, from all over the world. Um, but there's always, there's always niches to, to carve out there. Um, digital financial services, um, you know, the, the emergence of mobile money and that it's not new, but there is a massive amount of opportunity to consolidate and focus and, 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 and produce specific solutions to key demographics, mm -hmm. uh, across, across Africa. Um, I think another area and it, it's not really a, a startup idea per se, but, but VC funding, um, mm -hmm. in, in Africa, it's constantly on the rise year on year uh, okay. in, in African startups. Um, there's been a dip in 2020, but it's an interesting area um, to get involved in, especially from, from an outside point of, point of view. Um, you know, not a startup idea, as I said, but uh, it's, it's an interesting, interesting trend. It also correlates well with what's going on on, on the ground. More VC funding is coming in. Um, there's more creative ideas. There's more ideas that are, are being created that are solving massive problems um, in very local uh, and regional areas. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Areas like like blockchain and AI startups are there. There's there's interest, um, but personally, I think too few people understand these areas, especially you know blockchain, to to actually create any impact and, and value. Yeah. Um, and, and to add up to what Amish has just mentioned, I think that here we could include as well um, sustainability and, and social impact as to um, other major areas. So sustainability, um, not only in terms of, of the environment, right, but also, for example, in terms of, you know, company structure and growth, making things like more for the long term. Um, and, and the second area, social impact, uh, what we have seen, uh, I guess, it's worldwide tendency, but uh, particularly in Africa, we see people and, and organizations that are very interesting in transcending the economic returns, right? So they are looking also to making an impact in, in people's lives, communities, societies as a whole. Um, and, and yeah, I think that personally this trend refers to both the societal value creation um, and also to the fact of being able to measure it, right? So. Um, to have in place, you know, um, the frameworks, the systems, the tools to measure and manage. We see a lot of organizations, uh, public and, and, you know, looking for um, M&E projects, M&E solutions, trying to get in place um, a structure that allows them to, to measure what they're doing, right? At the end of the day, I mean, if you cannot measure something, you cannot manage it. So it's as key as creating the value itself. Yeah, those are, those are really, really important points um, that Alicia brings up, uh, especially in the context of, of Africa. And, and, we, and this it was a point that was discussed in a previous webinar we did with the Future of Africa with Ursi uh, and, and, and a few mm -hmm. other Asale African alumni. Um, in, in that if, if you're not, if your company, if you're starting a company, especially somewhere in Africa, and you're not thinking about those two points, um, there is very, very little chance that that you will survive, right? 
you you need to you need to involve um uh, you you need to be able to create social impact or or impact in any way along somewhere along the value chain of your mm-hmm. company and it needs to be sustainable if if it's not it's going to be very short short lived um uh, and and that's again correlated with you know vc funding as well absolutely um, and measuring it as well exactly so what they're looking what part of their brochures to to as part of their fundraising is is yes we we have the track record of, of financial returns but we also have the track record of social returns um or at least that's that's the yes, that's the, so the goal multiple bottom lines right absolutely double triple quadruple bottom exactly. line exactly absolutely that that's it's super important yeah everywhere but i guess now even more so for, from your experience now than as a suggestion no for 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 africa in general so yes Okay, super, uh, super relevant insights. Thank you very much. Now, very last questions. Um, this is more about uh, you personally. And so the first one would be, um, is there any advice you oftentimes give, but don't really follow yourself? <laughs> okay, so um, hard one here. Um, well, I would not say never, but uh, quite frequently, right? So um, if this could be called an advice, there's this thing on... Um, saying to people, uh, don't be too hard on yourself, right? So unfortunately, uh, I see this tendency, of course, in myself, 100% of having double standards. So one measuring yourself and then the other measuring the rest. And, you know, I, I frequently find myself being overcritic with the things I do, uh, feeling they are never good enough, um, etc. so on and so forth, right? Whereas um, I tend to say quite the opposite to, to the rest of the world. Um, all in all, I think that, you know, we should definitely try always our best, uh, but without boycotting ourselves, right? So uh, it's wonderful to thrive for continuous improvement. Um, and, and the thing that we need to remember, I guess, uh, at a business uh, point of view and, and personal point of view, is that, you know, uh, this business life is a marathon, not a sprint, especially if we're talking about startups. Uh, startups are not following the exact same path that other established companies have, right? So, um, you know, there's this, new element, something new, a niche that has been discovered. So there are many things that you're able to replicate, for example, uh, the management of a company, etc., the key strategies to grow your business, etc. But there are things that you will need to learn uh, from scratch, right? So uh, the idea is that you take uh, one day at a time, you have a good strategy in place, but of course you're resilient and consistent throughout the process, right? So enjoy the process, learn, make mistakes, fall down, get up again, And, you know, eventually results will come. But uh, from a personal point of view, I think that results are important, but the process is even more important, right? And, and also to give yourself the time to, to enjoy it. And, you know, um, let's not take things too serious. I mean, get this balance between uh, yes. improving, but without over-criticism. That would be uh, my, my unfollowed advice. <laughs> <laughs> it's very easier, important. Easier, no? easier said than yes. easier said than done. Absolutely. Very much on the mindset, no, that we were discussing before, and yes. this is again uh, something yeah. that uh, a trend I'm hearing now more and more uh, about entrepreneurs now being having this uh, this double standard and overall uh, keeping the right man- mindset and the right balance. It's extremely difficult and probably one of the most difficult things about uh, being entrepreneurs. Absolutely. So. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, so moving on, uh, actually, Alicia, you mentioned something uh, which is going to be my very last question to you, uh, to you both as, uh, you know, as, as entrepreneurs. And that's um, what has been your biggest mistake? Not starting this entrepreneurial journey earlier. Okay. I, yeah. I think, I think, I think for, for, for me personally, I think Alicia is similar um, to me from, yes. from her response. But uh, yeah, as I, as I mentioned early on, I, I had this in my head that I need to get a job. I need to learn from what the, the corporates are doing and what other startups are doing and then go and do something. It, it made sense in my head and actually it is quite rational, but um, there is no better learning curve than uh, throwing yourself in the deep end and, and starting it and failing numerous times um, before you can before you before something happens right you can fail 10 times just one needs to work yes exactly and i guess it also changes i mean um this this risk taking of trying i mean the best way of learning i totally agree with amish is it's doing by doing learning by doing but at the same time i guess it's also very relevant to have the right team to support you right so fail altogether, but with uh people that you know have the right mindset the right attitude and you know you will try many times, you will be there, and eventually things will come. But um, have a good support always helps. Yes, agreed. Teams, teams, teams very important. They need to be on a similar, uh, on the same page as you. Um, be, be passionate, be ambitious about the project, but also um, risk-taking. That's important. Yes, no. um, so the mindset overall and, and being aligned on the values and the objectives, but also being able to, to, to manage those those ups and downs, no? the roller coaster, the emotional ones. Yeah. Yeah. And, and especially there was one point that um, Amish was, well, there, there was this podcast that you were sharing with me the other day with the principal agent value, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and it's quite interesting. We try to bring on more uh, yes. people that um, have this mindset, the principal mindset, not the agent, right? Because at the end of the day, like we're working with um, small teams. And so we need to make sure that everyone takes ownership of what they do, right? And, and that yes. everyone understands the role that they are playing and how key this is to the overall and to the organization, right? So um, it's a tough um, job and, and, and it's a tough thing to do. I mean, um, when you read it, in theory, everything makes sense and stuff. But while you're implementing this, it's when the challenges arise. But yeah, I mean, it's a job or a work that uh, it's necessary to be done. And, and it really pays off. So, um, yeah, also another challenging uh, thing to take into consideration here. Absolutely. Uh, this could go on much, much longer, but uh, I guess we, we will need to, to, to pick it up at another time in the future. Uh, for now, I will say, um, Alicia Amish, thank you so much for uh, being so open, transparent with us, for sharing your inspiring story and all the best moving forward with your project. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us on board and lovely to meet you. Looking forward to the second round sometime soon. Absolutely. So thanks. Bye-bye. Ciao. Thank you so much. Stay well. Ciao. If you still want to learn more, remember, you can register on our platform, dobetter.asade.edu. That was all for today. Until next time, thank you. Do better.